is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hello and welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And on this episode, you're going to hear from someone with an incredibly unique perspective within the home improvement industry. Sean Foyer has worked from installation to sales, then as an owner, and now as a coach with Certified Contractors Network to help contractors like you overcome obstacles to achieve their highest levels of success. And while he's run into just about every challenge you can think of, today Sean is sharing with us the top three things that he sees holding contractors back in the field on a daily basis. And of course, we're going to share with you what you can do to crush these barriers so that you can reach your full potential as a wealthy contractor. Now, before we jump in, think real quick about what's holding you back from taking your business to the next level. I bet it fits into one of the three things we're about to discuss, and I'm confident the insights you're about to hear will help you discover how to start overcoming those obstacles today. So let's get to it. So Sean, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Hey, thank you, Brian. Happy to be here today. I'm excited about the conversation we're we're talking about here, some really good topics. Awesome. So um, let's give everybody some of your stories, some of your background, you know, kind of where you started. I know you grew up in the business, but tell your story. Okay. Yeah, no, I I started out um, in the home improvement industry basically when I was 12 years old. (laughs) Started um, going into my dad and his partner had a company called Norton's in the Salt Lake City market. Um, and I started out basically as a shop hand, you know, going in working around um, in my early teen years. Um, I worked in the installation and the production department, uh, you know, learned, learned the installation side, uh, went inside, worked in the office, learned the office. Um, then, you know, always have had a love and a passion for sales, so quickly found my way into our sales department. So, um, you know, basically have been familiar and have, you know, over 20 years experience growing up within running, learning, all aspects of the home improvement business. I was very fortunate in my mid-20s as I graduated from college. uh, The founder of our company retired, and I was able to buy in um, and become a company owner at that point. And it's interesting, too, as I work with contractors every day, I I have a unique perspective because I did grow up on the employee side. So I, I see the frustrations of employees in a small company, a small business like a contracting company. And then I've also been on the owner side uh, for about the same amount of time, and so I see the frustrations on that. So um, gives me good perspective, and it's really been helpful as I started working as a coach and working with other um, contractors. Uh, my company, we had great success. You know, made a lot of money over the years. Uh, when I left the business, we were basically able to retire my father um, and set me up for a, ni- a nice career in this consulting business. Working with contractors, it's exciting to see. Um, the success they have when they make changes, but that's why I'm, I'm excited to be here today and talk about what's holding contractors back because there's a few things, and it's really just little tweaks they can make um, that will make all the difference in the world in their success. Yeah. You know, one of the things I want to point out is that you also, um, and, and this is a conversation for another day, but I think mm-hmm. that it's important for people listening to recognize that you can use your business 
to buy other assets mm-hmm. um, that lead to wealth for your family. And I know that you were able to do that during your time with Norton's, and you still the assets that were purchased while you from essentially from your Norton's money, you still have today, and they're still yes. you know, and they're still producing for you. Yes. And that's interesting because, you know, we talk about, um, you know, you're building a business and you want to build value and something to pass on to future generations. Um, one way to do that, and it's the contractors I work with, you know, I always say, you know, where's your business location? Because the nice thing and the thing that I think my father and I did very well was pick a good commercial location and we used the business to fund that. Yeah. You know, rather than pay, paying rent, the business paid off, you know, a 23,000 square foot warehouse and two acre property over a 15 year period. So, when I was ready to do something else, we had this thing paid for and we're able to roll it into another investment. So yeah, right. definitely, maybe another conversation, but that's one of the things I always talk to my contractors about is, you know, we're doing this to generate income for today, but what are we doing to plan for tomorrow? That's that's very well said. You know, what are we doing for tomorrow? And I think part of it, and I would like to have that conversation maybe on a future episode with you of what are some of the strategies and how do you make that happen? But I just wanted to plant that seed in everybody's head that here's a guy that, and, and we've had others, you know, on, um, on the Wealthy Contractor podcast, and we will have plenty more that employ this exact same strategy where they'll take money that they make from their business and instead of plowing it 100% of it back into their business, they're actually buying assets that are outside of the business that are going to live long past, you know, the, the, the mm. business potentially. Yes. But anyway, so today's topic is what is holding contractors back? So why don't we kind of give – you know, we, we, there's a whole long list of them, but you and I came up with kind of three main things that we're going to focus on today. So let's kind of hit um, each one of those and, and, and talk a little bit about some, some strategies and some solutions for breaking out of what's holding people back. Perfect. Where, where do you want to start? Should we start with probably the most common one that I hear a lot is just wearing too many hats? Yep. That's the one I see, that, that's the one I see too. Be- yeah, and it, and it's interesting, and I always, you know, small business owners are hard on themselves, and they go, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm doing everything. That's kind of how how the entrepreneurial seizure happens. Is you know, you're either in this industry, you're either a good salesman or you're a good installer. That's usually yeah. where we see the company sprout out of. Not very many people that I know or that I work with got an MBA and then decided to start a, a contracting business. So they usually start out of the sales or production leg. Um. But they end up, you know, as the company grows, doing everything, you know, sales, collection, um, administration. They might have a bookkeeper and accountant they work with, but they really are trying to do everything. And that works for a little while, but they get to a point where that is the biggest thing holding them back is they're doing everything. And even though they want to let go, um, they sometimes get in their own way of, of letting that happen. What are some of the ways that they can – so – when we say too many hats, I mean, literally, I, you know, you and me, we know people that do everything in the business. And, mm-hmm. and you should be doing, essentially, you know, I joke, but you really should be doing nothing in the business and everything gets done. But when you've got all of those hats, how do you start to get rid of some of those hats? You know, the, the first thing I think is just identifying the hats, 
you know, what, because sometimes we're so busy doing everything, we don't really, right. you know, have a way to categorize or, and, and that's one of the things, um, when my company, we joined CCN, before I worked for CCN, I was a CCN member for almost 10 years, and I had explained to me the contractor stool with the three legs, sales, production, and admin. And so I think a key thing for a business owner is to separate, you know, I've got my sales leg, I've got my production, I've got my admin, mm-hmm. and then from there trying to break down responsibilities and create some separation. And for most owners, I mean, a lot of owners are really good sales reps, but one of the easiest places to start getting help is to hire a sales rep. Yeah. Because you're not adding overhead costs. You're able to, you know, it's a commission position, so if they sell, they generate income for themselves and the company, and if they don't, they're not adding overhead. But that's usually an easy one for them to try to get some help and to get out of this. I'm doing everything all the time. Right. But the problem there is, and and you and I both know what the problem is, is that they go out and they, by instinct, by intuition, by just sheer force of will, they're great salespeople. Mm-hmm. Right? They close 50%, 60%, and now all of a sudden they've got to turn that over to somebody that's going to perform half as well. And so that that leads to some fear, right? Definitely. Well, man, if I'm not out there hustling and selling and producing, how are we going to have the money in the business to be able to cover our overhead and make a profit? So how do you overcome that obstacle as the owner? Yeah, uh, the the fear of letting go. Yeah, yeah. No, that that I mean that is we talk about you know the topic today is what's holding contractors back. That you know that fear is what's holding back, and sometimes you just have to jump. I mean it's it's you know change is scary, and making changes in the business can be scary, and letting go of things, especially when you've been doing everything. And you put, you know, all your blood, gut, and energy into this business, um, but you've got to decide somewhere to let go. You know, and for some some owners, it's it's easier to let go of the sales handle. You know, some some of them that I work with, you know, come from the production leg. That's their scariest thing is letting go of the production and letting somebody else be in charge of the quality of the company. Um, but yeah, at some point, you just have to take the jump and, and, and make a hire. And there are, you know, things you can do to make sure you get the right people in place. You know, they're that's the other thing. I think it's one of the topics we're going to talk about today is the processes. But when you get to this point, you got you have to start having some processes in place. You know, if you're going to pass the sales leg off to somebody else, you know, one reason owners typically sell very well, no matter how they do it, is they get trust and confidence with the the consumer. And a lot of times they're able to do that. You know, 50% of that is just because they are the owner. And so when they hire a rep, this rep is going in there and doesn't have the instant credibility that an owner may have. And they really need a system or process in place to help accomplish that. You know, the, the one thing I'm going to mention to, you know, this, somebody that is in this situation right now and you're wearing too many hats and you're kind of, you know, trying to figure out, well, how do I start to get rid of some of these hats? I will tell you one thing. If you are in the roofing, siding, windows, one-day bathroom, and or plumbing HVAC business, which we have a lot of those um, people that are also uh, listening to this podcast, Sean, is all of these businesses are formulaic. There's a formula. There's a formula for sales. There's a formula for uh, production. There's a formula for marketing. All of these processes 
there are other companies, hundreds of other companies right now that are running formulas um, that are duplicatable. Would you not mm-hmm. agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you have to do as the owner is you've got to develop those processes within your company. And so, for example, on the production side, if you're in the roofing business or you're in the it doesn't matter really. It, here's a process. So you get in the truck in the morning. Here's what needs to be on the truck in the morning. When you drive up to the customer's house, you do this, then you do this, then you do, and you walk through the whole process and you document that process. And then you train based on the process. Right. Well, that's, that's, it, that's you know, exactly. Michael Gerber, you, you brought up a Michael Gerberism a few minutes ago. You said an entrepreneurial seizure. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that Michael Gerber always says, Michael Gerber from the E Myth, which is a book everybody should read, um, that's in business for themselves. One of the other things that Michael Gerber says is, "This is how we do it here. When you create a system and you bring somebody new on, you show them the system and you say, this is how we do it here.' Right. Yeah. No, and 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 that's the thing, and that's one of the things. And I don't know if we want to hop over now, but you know, one of the other things we see holding. Um, contractors back is not having any process or systems in place. Yeah. You know, so when they're trying to get out of wearing too many hats and they want to hire somebody, well, how do I teach that? It's all in my head. You know, it's, it's, it's all in the contractor's head. They've been doing everything themselves and they don't have it down. And so, you know, that might be as simple as you just jotting down a task list. You know, this is how the steps I take um, to enter, enter a job into the system, you know, and that might be the beginning of your process is just – literally getting some of the steps down and out of your head so when you hire somebody they have a checklist or something they can work on um, to get what you're asking asking them to do done you know and, and one thing too and we don't you know I really appreciate Brian having me on here and I don't want this to come across at any point like a certified contractors network commercial but you have to look out there and find some Ways ways to get help. You know, if you if you sit there and try and just test things out and test things out, yeah, you you will have success. But there are ways to shorten that learning curve. And like Brian said, you know, there are contractors out there in every business, whether it's roofing, siding, kitchen and bath, that have processes in place. So finding a way to network with those contractors or finding a way to plug in. Um, and CCN does does have that's one of you know a few few places out there you can get information like that. But that to me from our business. You know, when I joined CCN, we had a lot of good things in place, but we were really able to refi- refine them and put beginning-to-end processes in place in sales, in production, and, and in administration. Yeah. Well, look, I, I mean, the bottom line is you don't have to do it alone. You don't have no. to be – you don't have to feel like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, uh, this is it. Everything falls on me. There are places that you can go, and CCN's a great one. You know, they've got business planning. They've got – uh, production, they've got sales training, they've got all of that stuff. And there's other organizations out there uh, out there also that will help you. Um, you don't have to do it alone. But I think the thing that you've got to understand, like Sean said earlier, is first you've got to understand that, hey, look, I am wearing too many hats and this is a problem. And so I've got to give something up. And so what's the first thing that I give up? And generally, I think to me, the first thing that somebody gives up is what's the thing that's taking the most time? I, I, yeah. I can't believe how many people, how many company owners I talk to 
that are running, you know, businesses that are over a million dollars, but, you know, they're struggling to get to three million, which is kind of the next, you know, two and a half, three million is kind of that next, you know, ceiling that you hit. Mm -hmm. And they're struggling to get there. And you ask them, well, what are you doing? How do you spend your time? And they're out there selling most of the work. And right. it's like, you know, selling a million dollars in home improvement is a full-time job. <laughs> right. It's a full-time <laughs> job. So you have a full-time job, and then you're trying to grow a company. It's just that's why it's broken. That's why it's just you're only going to be able to get so far. And so you've got to look at, well, what am I, which hat am I spending the most time in? And that's probably the first one you've got to get rid of. And it's interesting, and I get not not too much into lifestyle coaching, but a little bit. You know, why do we start these businesses? Right. Why does the contractor point. decide to go? Because they want to provide a better life for their family, right? I mean, that's right. really what what the driving force is. Doesn't matter what your situation is. The reason you do this is you want a better life for yourself and the people you love and care about. And to create yourself an eighty plus hour week job that you're so stressed out you don't have a life is defeating the whole purpose you're in business for. So, um, absolutely, that's one thing I. I recommend people take a look at and then take a step back and say, what do I like to do? You know, if you love to sell and that's your passion, then you should keep selling. You know, you really should. Maybe not as much, but you should keep selling. But if you hate it, you know, and I do, I talk to business owners that they started the business with them selling. They're good at it, but they're miserable. They hate it. It's like, you know, what are you really good at? What do you want to do? I mean, this is your business. This is your um, creation. Make it fit what works well for you and the lifestyle you want to support, and then the things that you're bad at that you don't like to do, hire around that. Right. You know, a lot of business owners don't like the finances, don't like the books. Well, get a really good bookkeeper, whether it's in-house or uh, somebody that comes in a couple of days a week, but get somebody that is good at the things that you don't like to do. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's something that's not talked about enough. And, I think that that's great advice, is really to think about, well, what is it that you want to do in your business? Because as the owner, you get to choose. You get to choose. And what's really kind of cool is, once you get your business to a certain point, and for everybody it's a little bit different, but once you get your business to a point where sales are being made regardless of you're there or not there, and... Mm -hmm. Jobs are being installed regardless of you being there or not being there, and leads are being generated once, whether you're there or you're not there. A whole world of opportunity opens up for you, and you get to decide now, what do I, what do I want to do with my life? Right. And that's the whole reason we go into business in the first place. Like Sean was saying, it's to improve our lives. Yeah, no, it's so true. I think we do. And that's the thing, you know, working as a business coach, I can't assume anything. Every company I work with, every business owner has a different, you know, level they want to get to. You know, you've got some guys that are the high drivers that want to get up to a 15 or $20 million a year company. Yep. And you've got some that, you know, would be happy to do 3 to $5 million consistently, like you're talking about, where they could do pretty much what they want and just have a consistent income. And that's the thing. That's the beauty of <laughs> of America and small businesses. You you can decide, but so many times I see small business owners that they're just caught in a job. They let their businesses run them. You know, you start talking to them. Well, you could do this. Well, I can't because of that. You know, it takes too much time, or I can't get out of the field, or it's like 
the only thing stopping you from doing this is you. Now, there are right. people doing it all over the country. You can do it too. It's, it, the only reason you can or can't is if you decide you can or can't. Right. Yeah, that's so true. It's a decision. You have to make a decision. And if you are saying stuff like that where, oh, I can't because of this or I can't because of that, then you don't have a business. You just have a job yep, with a lot of life. In a lot of cases, it's not a very good one either. No. Well, and, it's, and, and so that's also one of the other things that's holding people back is, well, how do I fund all of this? How do I pay for the growth? How do I pay to bring on the people that I'm going to need in order yeah, to make it happen, in order for my business to grow, in order to get the training that, that, that we're going to need, the systems and the processes that we're going to need? And that, that comes back to the, the other topic we were talking about is selling at the right price. Yeah. You, know, you, you have to, and you know, so many businesses start out with low overhead, um, not really understanding what the proper pricing should should be, and the earlier you can really get a good understanding of your numbers and what the selling price should be, the easier it is for that growth. Because you know, so many times companies start out at a really low margin, you know, price because they feel they don't need to charge anything because they're working out of the back of their truck or working out of a home office. But then they get to that million dollar level, and at that point realize that. Or maybe don't realize, you know, sometimes it has to be pointed out to you, but you have to raise your price and get to a certain margin to allow overhead to grow a business. And the earlier you realize that and the sooner you make that adjustment, the easier it is to, to grow that model. Right. So, so many times I've heard business owners that get to the million to two million um, and they're trying to add overhead and they say, I just need to sell more. You know, they're just looking at that top line number. Well, if I sell more, I can afford uh, to hire people. If I, you know, do another half million this year, I'll be able to get that production manager when, you know, Brian, I know you know this very well. It's not the top line number we need to figure. At this point, it's the bottom line number and the gross margin. Absolutely right. And again, that's formulaic too. There's a yes. formula. And I tell people all the time, you know, there's, there's this whole thing about price. You know, we were talking about uh, before we, we turned on the, uh, the recording is people are afraid. Business owners are afraid to charge the right price, the price that's so going to get them um, the net profit, the, well, the gross profit, first of all, to support everything that they need, and then the net profit that they should earn as the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad you said right price, Brian. That's like my catchphrase I use. It's, it's the right price. Yeah. You know, so many times I deal, with, I deal with sales reps for companies that have joined CCN and raise their price to get to the right level so they can build a business and hire the right people. And you get this perception and these people saying, oh, we're just the high-priced contractor. You know, we're the highest in our area. It's, it has nothing to do with being high-priced. It has everything to do with being the right price. Right. You know, your competition, you know, you t- you know I, talk, I talk to contractors in areas and they're like, well, the going rate in our area is 300 bucks a square. What does that even mean? Right. <laughs> you got you got you got twenty companies in your immediate area. You all have the same overhead. You all have, I mean, all of your costs are exactly the same that you can all sell. I mean, that's where your price needs to come from. What are your costs? Right. Like, what do you pay for material? What do you pay for labor? Um, once you figure that out, then you have to figure out what kind of gross margin do you have to put on that to cover your overhead. 
What's going to pay for your marketing costs? What's going to pay for your sales commission? What's going to pay for your insurances and you know the office staff and the production staff? You know, and that's that's one for me personally. Before I I joined CCN, we had been doing a really good job, but CCN has that business planning boot camp we do, where you put together a whole business plan and really get a good understanding of your numbers. And it's something I highly re- recommend every business owner is put together an annual business plan that has your sales goals, your revenue goals, what your marketing budget is, what your production. I mean, everything should be um, broken down into a numbers where. And we call it what gets measured gets done. If you're not tracking it and looking at it and leaving it to chance, you're you're really putting yourself in a high risk situation. You've got to track your numbers and you've got to have something that you're setting as a bar to compare against. Right. And you know, in the right price too. So a lot of as you were talking there, I'm trying. Uh, my job is to think like you know some of the people that might be on the call and how do we mm-hmm. you know. How do we answer some of the questions that may be coming up for them as they're listening to this? And one of the things is that, you know, we're the high-priced contractor, and the sales reps will go out there and, and, oh, they're afraid to charge this price because we're so much higher than everybody else. And we can have a two-hour conversation about this, but here's here's just one of the things that uh, that I'll say to you that are listening to this and thinking, yeah, that's easy for you guys to say, but you know, if I raise my prices, then I'm going to be, you know, whatever. But here's the thing, is that being the low-priced person is not the place to be if you want to grow a business, number one. Or, number stay, two or is, stay in business. <laughs> or stay in business. Number yeah. two is price is more of a concern with you and your people than it is with the consumer. There's a small percentage, I forgot what the number is, but there's a very small percentage of consumers that will buy on price every single time regardless of any other variable. They're just price buyers, but it's a very small percentage. Both me and Sean could give you examples, rattle off examples of people and companies that are right now some of the highest in their markets, Everybody knows it, including the the people that are buying their products, but the consumer is willing to pay the higher price because of the value that the that the company provides. Yeah. Because of the value that the company provides. So I have a client. I have a client. Uh, uh, love them. They did almost twenty million dollars last year. They're booked out right now. It's a roofing company. They're booked out until, I think, until May right now. Everybody knows, it is common knowledge, that if you go with this company, you are going to pay more. It's just common knowledge. You're going to pay more. But why are people waiting in line to give this company money? Because the value's better. They, they know that they pay more, they're getting more, right? And that's yeah. what it boils down to, is you've got to... You know, the consumer is willing to pay more. They just they want more for their money. They want the best value. That's right. They yeah. want the better value. And it doesn't yeah. always. There's you know there's kind of three. I, I teach people there's three places that you can get value from. There's the product itself, but a lot of times the product is a commodity, right? Mm-hmm. And so how can you make your product more valuable to the consumer if if it's a commodity? The second thing is. Uh, in the customer experience 
in the customer experience. How can you add more value in the customer experience? And then three, how can you add more value with peace of mind? With peace of mind. So consumers will pay, or the homeowner will pay more, the more peace of mind you give them. The consumer will pay more, or the homeowner, I'm sorry, I keep saying consumer, the homeowner will pay more if they have a better customer experience. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, too. I mean, we, we talk about price all the time, and you hear the low-price co- competition, they get price objections. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they get price objections every single day. A lot of it's consumer, you know, just cultural dialogue. You have some people that are always trying to get a better price, but it doesn't matter what your price level, you know, you're going to have some, like you said, a certain percentage that are c- concerned about the price, but it go, goes back to building value. And I always tell the contractors I work with, we want to be different and better every step of the way. From the time the phone is answered to the material that goes out before the sales appointment to the way we run our sales appointments to the way we systemize our production and installation, every step of the way we've got to be different and better. You know, and the consumer is trained to buy Chevy Cruises. You know, if, you, if you go to four different dealerships in four different states, you can get the best price and end up with the same Chevy Cruise. You know, that's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an item that we buy you know, that you can do comparison shopping. With home improvements, the, the consumer is buying a hope and a dream. And it's our job to show them that if they choose our company and select us as their contractor of choice, that we are going to be better, that we're giving them better products, better installation, better experience, better peace of mind. That you know, When do you find out you've got a bad contracting job? Usually after it's too late <laughs> and the contractor's left the project, right? Right. So anything we can do in our process to create that different and better every step of the way ahead of time and give them that, that true peace of mind, it takes you know, price out of, out of the equation. Yeah. And I know, you yeah, know, I, appreciate, I appreciate you pointing that out, Brian. As a, you know, those of you on the call today, I, I can hear it in some of your minds right now. Not in my market. You don't understand, Sean and Brian. You haven't been to my market. Our market yeah. is really – I grew up in Utah. Okay, I, I can tell you, we are a very conservative market. We are a very price-sensitive market. We joined CCN and got, for the first time, a real understanding of our numbers and came back and started putting – price increases in place. And when we talk about price increases, this isn't price gouging. We're not saying go out there and just be a high-priced contractor and rip people off. We're saying go back, look at your numbers, understand your numbers, build value, and put it together. But we were able um, to substantially raise our prices, and we saw our closing ratios go up. As we were adding more value and putting more things into what we were showing customers and more things into the job, even though we raised the price along with it substantially, uh, it didn't make it didn't make a difference in, in the sales numbers. So that's someone, yeah. it's in your head. You got to wrap your head around it. That it's okay to charge the right price. I just got to come up with a system and a process to go in the home and, and present that price in the best light to give us the best chance of getting the work at the at yeah. the right price. And at a minimum, let me define for you what the right price is. The right price is what will give your company a minimum. Net profit, net profit after everything is paid, including paying you for the jobs that you do in your company, a minimum net profit of 10%. Minimum Agreed. net profit. So yeah. if, you are, if you have a $2 million company and you're selling a million dollars a year of it, the $2 million 
on that two million, you have to make at the end of the year two hundred thousand dollars profit. This is after you've paid yourself a hundred thousand dollars for selling the million. After you've paid yourself, if you are the general manager also of the business, a reasonable salary for being the general manager, what you would have to pay somebody else to take on that role. That's what is left over at the end as a minimum, minimum, minimum. If you're anywhere below 10%, you need to make some adjustments. And it's funny, Brian, in our industry, we strive for 10%. And when you look at other industries and other you know, major corporations, that's such a low net profit margin. It is. Yeah. amount of risk. I mean, we're out there, you know, people die on construction projects. Places burn. I mean, things happen. There's a lot yeah. of liability in our business. And we're, you know, 10% is, is the very lowest, I would say, you should be able to, to put the kind of risk and liability you're putting out there. Yeah. And, and and we need to start to talk about this more and more. And I've been mentioning this more and more in all not all of my communications, but but most of my communications. And in almost every one of these episodes, I'm going to to really hammer in that number because that's the minimum. And you and I know people in this business that are much higher than that. Oh yes. You know yes. you and I you and I know somebody that's at sixteen percent selling a thousand jobs a year thousand jobs a year we're not talking about a small company we're talking about um i believe an eight or nine million dollar company you know um so minimum minimum 10 percent is where where you've got to be and you've got to think about your business as uh, you've got to think about the the profit in your business first because that's the whole reason you got into business in the first place and that is, we talk about what's hold, holding you know contractors back. It's changing that mindset because yeah. you know when you first start doing it, all you're worried about is income. You're trying to generate income, but right. there's a huge difference between income and profit. And as you grow the business, you know you have to separate those two because the company has to be profitable. You know for multiple multiple reasons, but you have to separate that from your income because the other thing is, if you ever want to replace yourself, you have to have in your business model and business plan been paying yourself for what you do. Otherwise, when you remove yourself, you can't just be paying yourself out of profits. You have to be paid for the work that you do every day. Absolutely. Wow. So, Sean, this was uh, this was good information here. We talked about you know too many hats. Um, we talked about charging the right price, mm-hmm. and we talked about process and and system. And these are just three of the big things that are holding contractors back. At whatever level you're at, whether you're at a million, you're at two, you're at eight, you're at – I mean, these are, these are some of the same issues regardless of the size of your, regardless of the size of your company. So, um, Sean, thank you so much. I've got to have you back again. We've got to talk about the other cool. thing is how do you take money out of your business so that – And the only way you could do what Sean did and develop assets outside of your business is by earning the right profit in your business, right? So, um, yes, and that that goes back to that income versus profit. I mean, that profit, just real quick, when we're talking about, you know, you're talking about 2 million, 10% profit, that isn't the money you're going to just live off of. I mean, that's money you're going to reinvest back into your business. You're maybe going to put into some real estate. No, that's why it is important to have income separate from your profit. Uh, Right. That's the money you take home to the family, and then you guys decide, you know, what are we going to do with that? And that's how you grow your wealth, and that's how you grow your life. Um, 
the business should be improving your life. Yes, definitely. definitely. If it's not, awesome. you need to make some of these changes we talked about today and start implementing uh, some of these processes and and pre- price increases possibly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, well, Brian. Sean, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you go to iTunes and you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so every new episode uh, automatically shows up in your feed. And also, if you enjoyed this uh, episode and you got some value from it, please go to the Review tab uh, again, in iTunes at The Wealthy Contractor and uh, leave us a uh, review. Um, until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian from G4 Marketing, and thank you for joining us on The Wealthy Contractor Podcast. <music>